we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. We'll begin in 2 Samuel 19 and verse number 41, and then our reading will take us into the 20th chapter. The Bible says, And behold, all the men of Israel came to the king and said unto the king, Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, stolen thee away and have brought the king and his household and all David's men with him over Jordan? And all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, Because the king is near of kin to us. Wherefore then be ye angry for this matter? Have we eaten at all of the king's cost? Or hath he given to us any gift? And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, We have ten parts of Israel, or we have ten parts rather, in the king, and we have also more right in David than ye. Why then did ye despise us that our advice should not be first had in bringing back our king? And the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. And there happened to be there a man of Belial, whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man do his tents, O Israel. So every man of Israel went up from after David and followed Sheba, the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah clave unto their king from Jordan even unto Jerusalem. And David came to his house at Jerusalem, and the king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house, and put them in ward, and fed them, but went not in unto them. So they were shut up unto the day of their death, living in widowhood. Then said the king to Amasa, Assemble me the men of Judah within three days, and be thou here present. So Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he tarried longer than the set time which he had appointed him. And David said to Abishai, Now shall Sheba, the son of Bichri, do us more harm than did Absalom. Take thou thy Lord's servants and pursue after him, lest he get him fenced cities and escape us. And there went out after him Joab's men and the Cherethites and the Pelethites and all the mighty men, and they went out of Jerusalem to pursue after Sheba, the son of Bichri. And when they were at the great stone which is in Gibeon, Amasa went before them. And Joab's garment that he had put on was girded on unto him, and upon it a girdle with a sword fastened upon his loins in the sheath thereof. And as he went forth, it fell out. And Joab said to Amasa, Art thou in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with the right hand to kiss him. But Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand, so he smote him therewith in the fifth rib and shut out his bowels to the ground and struck him not again, and he died. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued after Sheba, the son of Bichri. And one of Joab's men stood by him and said, He that favoreth Joab, and he that is for David, let him go after Joab. And Amasa wallowed in blood in the midst of the highway. And when the man saw that all the people stood still, he removed Amasa out of the highway into the field and cast a cloth upon him when he saw that everyone that came by him stood still. When he was removed out of the highway, all the people went on after Joab to pursue after Sheba, the son of Bichri. And he went through all the tribes of Israel unto Abel to Beth Maacah and all the Barites, and they were gathered together and went also after him. And they came up and besieged 
him and Abel of Beth Maaca. And they cast up a bank against the city and stood in the trench. And all the people that were with Joab battered the wall to throw it down. Then cried a wise woman out of the city. Hear, hear, say I pray you unto Joab. Come near hither that I may speak with thee. And when he was come near unto her, the woman said, Art thou Joab? And he answered, I am he. Then she said unto him, Hear the words of thine handmaid. And he answered, I do hear. Then she spake, saying, They were wont to speak in old times, saying, They shall surely ask counsel at Abel. So they ended the matter. I am one of them that are peaceable and faithful in Israel. Thou seekest to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why wilt thou swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? And Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it from me, that I should swallow up or destroy. The matter is not so, but a man of Mount Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bichri by name, hath lifted up his hand against the king, even against David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. And the woman said unto Joab, Behold, his head shall be thrown to thee over the wall. Then the woman went unto all the people in her wisdom. And they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, and cast it out to Joab. And he blew a trumpet, and they retired from the city, every man to his tent. And Joab returned to Jerusalem unto the king. I want you to notice a phrase we find in verse number 16. Then cried a wise woman. That's the title of the message this morning, Then Cried a Wise Woman. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this opportunity that is ours to come into your presence and gather around your word, and I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Open to us the scriptures. Fill me with thy spirit. Enable me to communicate your word to your people, and help us all to respond in obedience. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Words are important. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. As we read this passage, we find there are many words that are used. We find that in the midst of these words, a battle, a rebellion, of course, was initiated and a battle took place. And as Joab and the men of Israel came to besiege one of the cities of Israel, the Bible said, then cried a wise woman. She cried out. She spoke. In the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this confusion and danger, this woman cried out. And because she cried out, well, the city was spared. She stopped the soldiers in their tracks. She turned back the sword of Joab, and she delivered the head of Sheba the rebel. Her wisdom brought clarity to confusion. She settled hot tempers. She spared the city and delivered many others from needless death just with their words, words of wisdom. Now, there are many words spoken, as I mentioned a moment ago, in this passage. Not only do we hear the cry of a wise woman here in verse 16, but in chapter 19, verses 41 through 43, we see the cry of angry men. As a result of that, in chapter 20, in verse number 1, we hear the cry of a rebellious man named Sheba who tries to incite a rebellion again against David. In chapter 20 and verse number 3, if we read carefully, we can almost hear the cry of the sorrowful women 
who were the wives, the concubines of David who were left behind. In chapter 20, verses 9 through 10, we can hear the cry of a deadly man, Joab, as he deceived his brother, Amasa, actually his cousin, Amasa. He referred to him as a brother, meaning in relationship to their, their relationship within the nation of Israel. Just like you and I, the men in this room who know Christ would refer to one another as a brother. He cried out to him as if to embrace him, as if to greet him, as if he was concerned for him. And then when he wasn't looking, he took his sword and slew him. A lot of cries, a lot of noise, a lot of words. But the most substantial cry we read is in verse 16, the cry of the wise woman. I wonder, does the wise woman speak today? With all the noise that we have in our world, do, do we still hear the wise woman today? And the answer is yes, we do. I'd like for you to look with me into the book of Proverbs. Would you Proverbs chapter number 1? The Proverbs, of course, are a collection of wise sayings um, authored by Solomon for the most part. And Solomon speaks of the wisdom that was imparted to him from his father. We know who the father of Solomon is. He is David. And in the opening chapter of the book of Proverbs, we have the, really the purpose for the Proverbs are unveiled to us. Why this collection? Why it's important for us to read them. Why is it important for us to have wisdom and knowledge? And in illustrating this point, wisdom is personified. The trait, the characteristic of wisdom is personified as a woman. I can't help but think maybe there's some relation to this woman, this wise woman of Abel. Notice what the Bible says about this this. Uh, this trait, this characteristic, the, the, this, this thing we call wisdom. Verse 20, wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse. In the openings of the gates in the city, she uttereth her words. In other words, wisdom is available. Wisdom is available to be heard. She is in the place speaking where the people do their commerce and their travel and their daily work. She is where people are. She is out in the public arena. And she is crying. Notice what she says in verse 22. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. She's speaking to those who need wisdom, to those who are living in chaos, to those who are living uh, with great difficulty and confusion. And she says, I'm available to you if you will simply hear me. Well, that's her cry. In verse 24, she has a warning. Notice it, if you would. Because I have called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded but ye have said it not, all my counsel, and would none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. 
For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. She says, I have called out to you, but you have not listened. You have turned away. You have rejected. And therefore, what you will receive in your life as a, as, as a result of rejecting the truth and wisdom that I have for you, you will receive calamity and fear and distress and anguish. You'll be filled with your own devices. It sounds much like our modern-day world in which we live, a world that has rejected the message of God, the wisdom of God, the wisdom of Christ. Christ, the Bible says, who is the wisdom of God. He has been rejected and scorned and ridiculed, and therefore our world is in trouble. But yet wisdom cries, and this is her promise in verse 33, but whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. I want you to know, though the world is, it seems to be raging and, and, and just burning out of control, I want you to know that if you and I will listen to God and follow him, the Bible said he will deliver us. We will dwell safely and be quiet from fear of evil. He will give us the peace that passes all understanding. What a glorious treasure that is. Then cried a wise woman. Now, there are three things in this passage we're going to look at and uh, I hope you'll follow along and write them down because there's so many characters and so much movement here, it will be easy for us to get lost. Uh, first of all, we're going to see the wrath of man. Then secondly, the woe of David. And then finally, the wisdom of the woman. Well, let's look first of all at the wrath of man. The wrath of man. Here we are in verse 41 of chapter 19 and Absalom's rebellion is over. David is returning to Jerusalem. The men of Israel have called for him. And at the end of Absalom's rebellion, another rebellion arises. It is the rebellion of Sheba. It is a short-lived, ineffective rebellion, but it is a rebellion nonetheless. The climate of the nation, however, was conducive to further rebellion. Matthew Henry says, How do the clouds return after the rain? No sooner is one of David's troubles over than another arises. And we know what that means, and we know how that is in our world in which we live. We deal with problem after problem after problem. I think when we're young, we think we'll come to a point where the problems dissipate. But those of you who've lived a while, you know that the problems are always there. Well, this nation was a nation filled with problems, just as our nation is. And what was the source of that problem? Well, it was primarily anger. Look, if you would, in verse 41. And behold, all the men of Israel came to the king and said unto the king, Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, stolen thee away and have brought the king and his household and all David's men with him over Jordan? And all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, Because the king is near of kin to us. Wherefore, then be ye angry for this matter. Have we eaten at all of the king's cost? Or hath he given us any gift? In other words, the men of Israel, the ten northern tribes of the nation of Israel, have, they're upset with Judah, the southern tribe. And they're saying, when the king came over, you didn't invite us to the party. You didn't ask us to be involved. You guys just went down and, and, and you conveyed the king over without, without coming to us. Well, we're offended about that, by the way. We live in a world of 
where people are perpetually offended. So they say to the men of Judah, why, why didn't you not consider us? And they were angry. Well, the men of Judah said, well, wait a minute. We, we're, we're not getting any extra benefits from the king. The fact that we are his tribe, he comes from Judah, there's no reason to be angry for us. Have we eaten, verse 42, at all of the king's cost? Is he feeding us? No. Hath he given us any gift? No. So they ask, why are you angry? Well, they were angry. The word anger means to burn, to be kindled, to glow, to grow warm. They were hot. They were hot. Have you ever been hot? They were hot. Well, then secondly, we see they were harsh. The heat stepped up a little bit in verse 43. And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, We have ten parts in the king. There were ten tribes. Ten tribes. Ten northern tribes. And we have also more right in David than ye. Why then did ye despise us that our advice should not be first had in bringing back our king? And the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. The word fierce means hard. The anger was ratcheted up. You see, the men of Judah could have, they could have appeased the men of Israel and brought unity, but they chose not to do that. They chose to answer in their anger and in their pride. And the Bible tells us that a soft answer turneth away wrath. Well, we live in an angry world, do we not? I've never seen it so angry in my short life. I don't think we've ever had such anger as what we have today in our world. And we find that as we deal with anger, the response to anger is not anger. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. That's what the Bible tells us. So you and I have to be careful in this angry world not to get angry ourselves. Now, there are lots of voices that we hear. It could be people that we hear on television. It could be the books that we're reading. It could be... Uh, the posts that we look at on social media designed to stir up anger and wrath and ultimately it leads to rebellion. Uh, we live in an angry world filled with hate, filled with fierce words, lies, contempt, disrespect, and ultimately violence. And so we see here that they were harsh. Well, then we see secondly or thirdly that they were hasty. They were hasty. You know, when you're hot and harsh, when you're mad, what do you do? You do things you wouldn't normally do. Well, in this angry environment, we find in verse 1 that a rebellion is born. And there happened to be there a man of Belial. The word means worthless man, whose name was Sheba. How would you like to have that reputation, a worthless man? the son of Bichri, a Benjamite, and he blew a trumpet and said, we have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. So Sheba, he's hot, and he blows his horn. He lost his head, and he blew his horn. Don't lose your head, right? Don't blow your horn. Because when he did, the men of Israel said, we're going with you. Verse 2, so every man of Israel went up from after David. They forsook David. They didn't follow him. And they followed Sheba, this hot-headed Benjamite, this son of Belial, a worthless man. They followed him. But the men of Judah clave unto their king from Jordan even to Jerusalem. 
You see, here we find a world that is full of anger and wrath. But God's answer to wrath is love. Ephesians 4.32, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The answer to this wrath, this anger that we live in, this climate of hatred and violence, the answer to it is love, kindness, forgiveness, and a tender heart. How do we get that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. God's answer to rebellion is repentance and submission. And so we find in these opening verses the wrath of men. The world was an angry place, and it is today. Then secondly, we see the woe of David. The woe of David. The word woe just simply means sorrow. There's a lot of sorrow and anguish in the following verses. David again now is on his way home and by the time he gets home in verse number three he finds trouble at home we know because we've been engaged in this study that that Absalom went in to his father's wives David had left ten of his wives concubines behind by the way David violated God's word when he married multiple women Deuteronomy 17 17 he violated God's word. He married multiple women. Can you imagine being one of 10 or one of 20 or however many it ended up to be? Not much of a life. And so he leaves 10 behind. And Absalom went in under the 10 to signify that he was the new king. Ahithophel had counseled him to do that, knowing that once he did that, all ties with he and David would be severed. And that the, in, the enemies of David would be emboldened by the actions of Absalom. Well, David knew none of this had taken place, but when he got home, he found it out in verse 3. And the king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house, and put them in ward and fed them, but went not in unto them. In other words, he would never be a husband to them. They would never be a wife to him again. He took care of them. He fed them. He supplied them under the day of their death. But they lived as widows. What a sad story. We don't know if any of these women were complicit. We would assume that they weren't and that they were victims of abuse of Absalom. It's funny how that Absalom was the rebel who, who said that his father had unjustly left Amnon alone after Amnon violated Tamar. Absalom was full of rage, and, and, and he, he wanted revenge on his brother Amnon for what he did to Tamar. But yet, the man who wanted justice, the man who said, I know a better path than the king, and I'll treat you better than the king, what does he do? The same thing or worse than what the king did. You have to be careful who you're listening to in this world, by the way. All these rebels who tell you that God's word is not true and right. All these who would defame the name of Jesus and tell you that they've got a better way. All those who would mock the family of God and the people of God and tell you there's a better way than the way of righteousness and the way of the word of God. Let you watch them. They don't even pretend to measure up to their own standards. You had the Hollywood Me Too movement recently, right? 
But have the movie's content, have the content of the movies they're producing changed? You have people screaming for gun control, and I'm certainly not for gun violence. They're screaming for gun control, yet they're still making movies that glorify the use of guns and violence. It's hypocrisy. It's the ultimate in hypocrisy. They're Absalom's. And they cause woe in this world. Well, there's woe at home with David's wives. But there's war, or, or rather, there's woe among the people in, in, in the army. David's warriors. Remember now, David has appointed Amasa earlier. He appointed Amasa to be his captain. Amasa was the captain of Absalom's army. So David reaches out to Amasa to say, look, I'm coming back. You can be my captain. Everything is forgiven, but I'm not going to have Joab serve as my captain anymore. Right now, Joab had been his captain for a long time, and we who've been engaged in this study, we know what kind of man Joab is. He's ruthless. He's cruel. And he killed the king's son. So the king said, I got a new captain. His name is Amasa. But there was trouble in the army because of this decision. Look in verse 4. Then said the king to Amasa, Assemble me the men of Judah within three days. Be thou here present. So Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he tarried longer than the set time which he had appointed him. In other words, he didn't get back in three days. Verse 6, And David said to Abishai, Now shall Sheba the son of Bichri do us more harm than did Absalom? Take thou thy Lord's servants and pursue after him, lest he get him fenced cities and escape us. So he says to Abishai, I don't see Amasa. He's not here. I don't have time to mess around. We've got to deal with this guy now. So you take the men and you go. And that's what he did. Verse 7, And there went out after him Joab's men and the Cherethites and the Pelethites and all the mighty men that went out of Jerusalem to pursue after Sheba, the son of Bichri. So here goes the army, including Joab's men. And as we're going to learn, Joab is with them. He's not leading them, but he's with them. Verse 8, when they were at the great stone, which is in Gibeon, Amasa went before them. So finally, Amasa shows up. He's late, but he shows up, and he assumes the leadership. Well, Joab doesn't like it. And the Bible tells us in verse 8, and Joab's garment that he had put on was girded unto him, and upon it a girdle with a sword fastened upon his loins in the sheath thereof. And as he went forth, it fell out. So the sword falls out. And when the sword falls out, Joab picks the sword up. And he's walking toward Amasa. And he says to Amasa in verse 9, Art thou in health, my brother? Just a greeting. How you doing? You feeling okay? Joab took Amasa by the beard with the right hand to kiss him. But Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand, so he smote him therewith in the fifth rib and shed out his bowels to the ground and struck him not again, and he died. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued after Sheba, the son of Bichri. What a dreadful scene. What a dreadful scene. You see, there's woe here. Woe with the wives of David. There's no love there anymore. Woe with the warriors of David because there's no leadership. Who's the captain? Well, Amasa is supposed to be. Where is he? I don't know. He's late. Abishai, you take them. Joab says, no, I'll take them. And then he takes matters into his own hands. And he comes to Amasa, his cousin, by the way. 
and he kills him. Amasa was careless, wasn't he? He wasn't watchful. Perhaps David made a mistake in appointing Amasa to be the captain. He's late and he's not watchful. The Bible said he took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand. He knew what kind of man Joab was. He had heard about Joab's past, what he did to Abner, how he'd killed Absalom. But he was careless. And then we find that Joab was cruel. What a cruel man. To pretend to care about somebody, to pretend that you're going to give them a greeting, a kiss, which would have been a traditional greeting in that culture, and at the same time, to stab him. By the way, there was one who pretended to kiss Jesus, remember, and betrayed him. We're learning more about what kind of man Joab is, aren't we? And so... In verse 11, the Bible says, And one of Joab's men stood by him and said, He that favoreth Joab and he that is for David, let him go after Joab. In other words, don't worry about, don't worry about Amasa anymore. He's dead. Go after Joab. He's in charge again. Again, another horrible scene in verse 12. And Amasa wallowed in blood in the midst of the highway. And when the man saw that all the people stood still, he removed Amasa out of the highway into the field and cast a cloth upon him. When he saw that everyone that came by him stood still. When he was removed out of the highway, all the people went on after Joab to pursue after Sheba, the son of Bichri. You see, there was confusion here. Confusion. There was careless leadership. There was cruel leadership. And then there was confusion. The people didn't know what to do. They, they're, they're going to war. And then here's their leader, the one that David had appointed to be the captain. And he's wallowing in his own blood in the road. And they don't know what to do. We're living in a time of confusion. Our, our leaders in our nation and our world are giving us mixed messages. They're full of anger and hatred, by the way. We just found out in recent days that social media companies are, are conspiring with government officials. That doesn't really breed trust among the people, does it? People are confused. Where do they go for answers? Who do they follow? This is the situation, and it creates sorrow and anguish and angst in our world. Verse 14. He went through all the tribes of Israel and to Abel. Speaking of Joab now, Joab's in charge again. And to Beth Maaka and all the Barites, and they were gathered together and went also after him. And they came and besieged him in Abel of Beth Maaka, and they cast up a bank against the city and stood in the trench, and all the people that were with Joab battered the wall to throw it down. So all along the way, they're going, hey, has anybody seen Sheba? You guys know where Sheba's at? And people go, no, I, I, think he went, I think he went up to Abel. And perhaps they went from city to city until finally they figured out, yep, that's where he's at. He's in Abel. And then Joab immediately assumes, well, those people are with him and he's got an army in there, so we're going to go after this city and we're going to tear it to the ground. There's woe. There's sorrow. People are destroying one another. Well, then we see finally a third thing. That's the wisdom of the woman. Into this ugly conversation dominated by fierce and foolish words, faithless words, comes a glorious volume of faithful words, the voice of this woman. 
Notice her plea in verse 16. Then cried a wise woman out of the city, Hear, hear, say, I pray you unto Joab. Sounds a lot like the woman in Proverbs 1, right? I'm out here, I'm talking, I'm crying, I'm waiting for somebody to listen to me. What does she say in the middle of the battle? in all the noise and all the confusion as, as Joab's army is battering the walls of the city. She says, hear, hear. Say, I pray you unto Joab. Come near hither that I may speak with thee. Hey, let's talk about this thing. And when he was come near unto her, the woman said, Art thou Joab? And he answered, I am he. And she said unto him, Hear the words of thine handmaid. And he answered, I do hear. Now, the Bible tells us in verse 16, she was a wise woman. Can I ask you a question? Where did she get that wisdom? Same place you and I can get it. It's available to all of us. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Who's the source of our wisdom? God is. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If we want wisdom... If we want truth, there's only one place to get it, from the Lord. And so she pleaded with him, will you listen to me? Verse 18, then she spake a proverb saying, they, they were wont to speak in old times saying, they shall surely ask counsel of Abel. And so they ended the matter. She said, in the old days, they used to say about this city that there were wise people here. And they would come to this city to get information, to learn from us. And whatever problem they were dealing with, whatever confusion they had, it would end the matter there. By the way, the world ought to know where to get the truth. It ought to be maybe not Abel, but maybe Tabernacle. You, a Christian family, a Christian that works alongside them a Christian that, uh, that, that, that they know who lives in their neighborhood. How do I make sense out of all this confusion? How, how do I deal with this angry world? How do I deal with the heartache and the woe and the sorrow? Well, there ought to be somebody who can cry out in the midst of all of this uh, difficulty and all this darkness and shed some light and reveal some truth, and that ought to be us. That ought to be us. Well, she asks a question in verse 19 that reveals her perplexity. She says, I am one of them that are peaceable and faithful in Israel. Thou seekest to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Wilt thou swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? What are you doing, Joab? You're coming against your own people. You're coming against God's people. Verse 20, and Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. The matter is not so. But a man of Mount Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bichrim, by name, hath lifted up his hand against the king, even against David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. The woman didn't even know he was there. Now, where's David? He's at home. What's he thinking? He's thinking, man, I've just been through one rebellion with my son. Now, here this guy, Sheba's come against me, and he's probably amassed a great army, and I'm going to be in real trouble. Go after him. And then Joab says, no, I'll take a charge of this situation and I'll finish the job and I'll burn this city to the ground. But the fact of the matter is by the time Sheba got there, there was hardly anybody with him. Apparently, a lot of the rebels fell out in the way. They said, I don't want to follow this guy. 
So he's in the city, and this woman doesn't even know it. She said, why are you here to attack us, Joab? Because of Sheba. So she says, well, let me, let me, let me take care of Sheba. Verse 21, and the woman said unto Joab, behold, his head shall be thrown to thee over the wall. Then the woman went unto all the people, the people in the city of Abel, in her wisdom. And I'm sure she told the story. And they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, and cast it out to Joab. And he blew a trumpet, and they retired from the city, every man to his tent. And Joab returned to Jerusalem unto the king. What did this woman's wise words do? Well, it slowed Joab's attack. Joab, in his haste, is going to do the job. He thinks the people are aligned with Sheba, but they're not. They don't even know exactly who he is. So her wise words slowed the attack. Then her wise words stirred the men of Abel to action. She said, look, we got a problem. Joab's going to tear this city apart unless we do something about this guy, Sheba. Has anybody seen him? Oh, yeah, he's staying with so-and-so. Well, let's take care of him. And they did. She spared the people of Abel, and she stopped the rebellion of Sheba. And there were a lot of people who lived the next day because of it. Wise words. What does our world need? It needs wise words. What does the wrath of man need? What does the rebellion need? What do those dealing with woe need? They need some wise words. People who will hear the wisdom of God. People who will seek out, understand and obey it. And messengers who will proclaim it. I go back to the question of my friend who said to me, nothing screams Christmas more like 2 Samuel. And when you read this text, you certainly don't hear Bing Crosby singing. Right? And you say, what a mess. What a mess. And we're living in a mess. What do we do then? We do what the wise woman did. And we cry out. We cry out to our neighbors. Jesus loves you. We cry out to our co-workers. Look, I know you're having a hard time. I'm praying for you. Why don't you come with me to church? We cry out to our confused world. And you say, wait a minute. God has a plan for your life. Why don't you listen to his plan? You see, this is a call for some wise women by the way, the men had blown it in this chapter, hadn't they? Totally. But a wise woman, a mother in Israel, what an influence a mother can have. Turn the whole thing around. Let's be that voice of wisdom today. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.